Join me Saturday, June 2nd at 5 p.m. in Atlanta for the very first live So Much to Say podcast. We're going to have a conversation about words that hurt, nigger versus faggot. The details are on my website, www.craigtherightestewart.com. Click on the podcast tab at the top, and then there's a link for the Eventbrite. Complimentary food, cocktails, and desserts sponsored by Cami Cakes will be available. Remember, that's Saturday, June 2nd in Atlanta. I hope to see you there. This podcast was sponsored by Words Never Spoken, a memoir by Craig Stewart. Available now on all e-readers, Amazon.com, Audible.com, and www.craigtherightestewart.com. How does it feel to be a Project Runway All-Star winner? It feels really good to have won Project Runway All-Stars. However, people don't know what my life was before Project Runway, so... The conclusion of Project Runway All-Star Season 6 for me is a different victory that most people don't know. Mm -hmm. But I'm more than happy to share with you, Craig. Please do. Um, From maybe 2000 Mm -hmm. to 2007, um, not only was I a student, not only was I in college and working at HIV prevention in my community, but I was also a female impersonator. I did not know that. I was a full out drag queen, like full out. And I was, I did like competition. Where was this happening? Um, Atlanta? Yeah, I would come to Atlanta. Um, Like the first time I ever won a national title, like the first time I was ever in, in drag was in a pageant. And it was like I won the pageant. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm good at creative competition. So then I did another pageant and I won. But in between then, I had never done drag. Mm-hmm. Did you make the clothing that you wore? Sometimes I make them and, and sometimes I would send things off. But a lot of times I would end up having to tweak them. But I also had a, I had a full-time job. I worked on the Birmingham 601 project, which was a project from the, CD, a project from the CDC, mm-hmm. testing men between the ages of 18 to 25 mm-hmm. and interviewing them. It was like a lot going on. At so you time. were like one of those people that would go around to like different uh yeah we were like the onset of that right. uh it was and we would pay you like a stipend of yeah. $25 to take the survey and things of that nature mm-hmm. when did you know that you could sew that you could make clothing um I learned that I could sew at a very early age. I met this lady named Ms. Gillum. She actually taught me that I could sing. Like, I started going to church, and that's when I realized, like, going to vacation Bible school, I became very creative with my hands. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, when you live in the projects or some of the places in, you know, in the community that aren't as nice as others, mm-hmm. you have to create and you have to find the beauty. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think all of my love for all things beauty was really birthed. So did you grow up in the projects? Oh, my my God, we did a tour. We did <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. I think uh, I lived in every project in the city of Birmingham. And it okay. wasn't that my mother wasn't a hard worker or anything. Mm-hmm. She was not on drugs. But my mom. Because that's a stereotype. Right. That is a very much a stereotype. But my mom was that woman that, fought, like, she made $1 more than you should to be on welfare. Yeah, yeah. So, like, she had to make whatever she had as a unit clerk at the hospital work. And for whatever reason, with, you know, three growing young men, in your, you know, in your household, mm-hmm. that doesn't go very far. Okay. So was your dad active in your life? Oh, yeah. But, like, sometimes, like, he didn't make it in on the weekend. Like... Like they were still together. Yes, like I didn't. Uh-huh. I was not one of those people who grew up in a household without my father. And even uh-huh. after they divorced, I went and lived with my father for a while. It was just my dad. The one thing my parents both gave us is a lot of love. Like uh, 
always kissing on you. So, like, mm-hmm. when I talk to people, even if it's on Instagram or in text message, I'm always blowing kisses mm-hmm. because my mother and father kissed on us probably way too much. This is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to Sex. tell my story, use my voice, be a Gay. voice for Gay. the community, to speak Black to people. and for a community of people Black that's Black. been ignored, denied, love, love, relationships. relationships, religion. This is my life's work. Religion. religion. I want to use words to. Uplift, Every heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Every Monday at 10. Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I'm Craig the Writer Stewart, and this is so much to say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit, white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. Today, we are talking to Anthony Williams, the winner of season. <laughs> season six. Project Runway All Stars. <laughs> it is so exci- it's so exciting to have you here. Listen, I came to the watch party at the W Hotel with you in the final. Was it the final five or was uh, it the final? we call ourselves the Fantastic Five? The fa- yes, oh, we- pardon me. No, well, listen, we were there and uh-huh. we were quite fantastic. And this is the first time that there were five black men of color. Well, five men of color, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said Ever. black men. I meant men of color. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this is the first. Yes, this was definitely a historic moment, not just for the Project Runway brand, but mm-hmm. for, you know, the African-American culture. This mm-hmm. was a historic moment for film and television, period. Mm-hmm. So we are quite proud of what we were able to accomplish and achieve. And the truth of the matter is, four of us, myself, as well as Ken Lawrence, mm-hmm. uh, Stanley Hudson, mm-hmm. and Fabio Costa, we entered into a covenant at the beginning of the season. Okay. We knew that there had never been an African-American male to win, but we knew... If we stack the deck with as many of us as possible, uh-huh. so we, the odds we were in your yeah favor. we championed each other and we like spoke to each other right. almost in our own secret language. Right. So there was a whole other movement going on within uh-huh. the competition. What do you mean you spoke in your own sp- type of language? In what way? Well, they didn't know. Like we were talking. Like so, for example, if we didn't need it to be a storyline, it didn't become a storyline. Right. You wrote down your thoughts. Right. Um, and if I saw something that was wrong with your dress, see, here's the you thing. wouldn't say it on camera. You no, or I would just like there was an episode one time with. Edmund. Edmund helped me on the... I wrote down on a piece of paper that I left my fabric, some four-way stretch at the at the store, uh-huh. and he gave me his. Okay. Well, then I saw Edmund putting too much on his dress form and stuff, and I just went over and just snatched it off. Uh-huh. And then he won that challenge. Right. Like, okay. we were helping each other. Like, yeah. when the camera's backs were turned, then we would do certain things. Right. But, um... So, has there ever been a winner, a, a black person to win Project Runway? No. Um, Dawn was biracial, but I think, you know, in America, if you gotta drop a black, okay. that's it. Right. So, <laughs> she was definitely the flat first black person to win. Okay. So, who was the first person that you actually called when you won because I know you didn't wait until the show aired who was the first person you called it was some let me tell you though how shady Project Runway is uh huh the same way you come together, uh-huh. even after they call out the winner and who and the people who didn't win, you ride home in the same van. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on the same row is myself as well as Fabio, uh-huh. and on and so you know I'm already dug down in my seat. Uh-huh. Bitch, you ain't gonna believe this. Uh-huh. And like he is already crying in a different language, and I'm like. Oh, I can't address that right now. Right. Mama! Um, so it's one of those situations. Right. What are you planning to do with the $100,000? It's $100,000 prize money, right? 
Yeah, but you have to understand that taxes Tax come out of that right. money. Right. Um, I want to use that money to just tighten up, to make myself more polished, and mm-hmm. to continue to create content for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely do not want to create a clothing line with that money. Right. To the point that I was making earlier. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you that because I think most people think that that's the next move, and I don't think that that's. I don't think the that's next. the next move. So, to the point of this, the reference of me telling you that I was a female impersonator, mm-hmm. um, I remember going to a pageant, Miss. Sweetheart newcomer. Mm-hmm. And I already knew the girl had whooped us in the pageant. Destiny Love Braxton had whooped us in that pageant. Uh-huh. So while they were tallying the score, there was this girl on stage. Her name was Erica Onassis Sanchez. And I love the way she stood at the end of that stage and it's like she commanded the room. Mm-hmm. So I went and researched. Miss Black America, newcomer, and what they look for, what the judges look for, what the owners are looking for. And then when I won that night, it was 13 girls. I was contestant number nine. Mm -hmm. I just realized, like, oh, I really like creative competitions. So when I stopped doing drag, when I graduated from the University of Alabama in 2008, Mm -hmm. when I stopped doing drag... Come on, resume. Oh, it's a real thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when I uh, I graduated from college, I stopped, and you know, then I was in Atlanta, Georgia, but it was Mm -hmm. like, wait, I don't get to compete creatively like I used to. So when it came to Project Runway, that's when it kind of like felt like what I used to do. Felt home. Right. And then, you know, I was on Project Runway one time. Right, what season Project, was that? I was on Project Runway season seven. Okay. My first time. Then I was on Project Runway All Stars on season one. Mm-hmm. And one of my girlfriends from my drag days was like, listen. Because I told them that, you know, they called me to come back to Project Runway All-Stars Season 6. And my friend said, in no uncertainty, the only way you will win is you compete like you used to do when you did drag. And what does she mean by that? Um, It meant, like, first of all, you have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about tomorrow. Don't borrow any of the problems or the ideas or challenges from tomorrow because you got to figure out today. Mm-hmm. And in pageantry, you only have to be good that night. Right. Don't worry about if evening gown and swim, if swimsuit and evening gown is tomorrow, but today you only have talent, then your job is to be great and excellent in talent. Mm-hmm. And we will worry about swimsuit and evening gown tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. So I took that through the... But that's a metaphor for life. That's a metaphor for life, but in pageantry, message. you need to have a core that you can return to because mm-hmm. anything happens. You can get a ruin in your stockings. You, you know, the person bringing your jewelry could not show up. So you need to be able to persevere and go beyond those moments because you have a responsibility to be great once you go on that stage. And that's something I tried to do. Well, since you're talking about pageantry and Ball, I'm thinking about balls and things like that in the gay community. What would you say to these fantastic designers that get stuck in that community? And I'm specifically using the word stuck because I, I believe sometimes their talent reaches far beyond the gay scene in terms of the club scene, the ball scene. What would you say to some of those some of those designers? Well, I think that the message that I would have for any designer who has dreams bigger than their sewing machine, the first thing you got to do is figure out how to get from behind the sewing machine. Uh-huh. Because the truth of the matter is, I, the reason why I don't enjoy sewing is because I don't know how to sew all the things that I design. Right. Therefore, my designs become things that I know how to sew. Right. Whereas if you can get from behind the sewing machine and actually be able to execute your vision. because You curate you have, it. Yes, because you have people who, to assist you. Right. Um, because real production requires technical designers, pattern makers, cutters, and all those things. And when you have become all of those things within yourself, the time that you are sitting at your sewing machine, you are missing the opportunity to make the next business deal. And it's kind of for those people who may not really understand what you're saying. It's kind of like a hairstylist who will stand behind a chair curling hair. 
for all of her life instead of coming from behind the chair owning the business and then hiring hairstylists to then curl hair or like a musician like Kanye West what he's really great at is producing but he's also good at curating projects he'll put together a stable of producers to create music under his label well but to that point Craig we still must give grace Mm -hmm. because our mothers and our sisters all those people they still need to go to the hair salon so if everybody is all great and being amazing and traveling the world doing hair then who is doing the women who live in our everyday communities so everybody can't be the person who has this empire built on hair and that's the difference if you are fine I know people who love sewing and they enjoy doing the sewing and the design and all of that work and 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 you have joy that's the ultimate goal mm-hmm. for me that does not work for me I think that there is much more opportunity using my intellectual capital than me like slaving over a dress because there's a lot of responsibility to that when the truth of the matter is no different than I am an artist and there is a beauty to what I do mm-hmm. there is an art to being a seamstress as well and mm-hmm. that I am not right it's one thing to be able to sew It's another thing to be able to design. When did you know you could design? I knew that I could design just merely off of like growing up with not much. I've always had to turn a little of nothing into something. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I didn't even look at it as design. I think when I started, it was just kind of like, can I make this come to life? Can I Mm -hmm. breathe life into something? I think I became more infatuated with the idea that I can see something in my head and then create it accordingly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what age I was, but I knew like, I don't know how Christmas was in your household, Mm -hmm. but in my household, like Christmas didn't come to income tax time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when it did make its way around to me, I was always like at Michael's getting glue guns and things of that nature. As a matter of fact, I remember growing up and my brothers would put some of the toys they wanted on my list because I didn't really ask for anything if it wasn't creative. Oh, interesting. What, what was the first big break that you got where it was like, oh, I could actually make a living like this? Um, when I started working on Single Ladies. Got it. The TV show. When I worked VH1. Mm-hmm, VH1. When I worked as a costume designer, the reason why I will always have a love for my VH1 family and the the producers who saw the light inside of me mm-hmm. is because they paid my prices. Mm, without trying to say, well, Ooh. do you think you could do it for this amount? Right. So, you know, when I was a costume designer for single ladies, I was also a costume designer selling them my clothes. Right. And there were many times, like, I would, like, single ladies was such a great job because I was able to teach them this is what this should look like mm-hmm. and they they for everything that I showed them they showed me so very much more mm-hmm. um, but I was able to travel and there were many times when I would say oh I've traveled to this fashion house in LA or to New York and I pulled these looks for you and they would say no we want an Anthony dress right um, and they never negotiate they never asked me to go down on my price they mm-hmm. always respected my talent so that's when I was like oh wait a minute we're out here following this formula after we go on Project Runway. Because this, this was after your this first was after run project, uh-huh. project Runway. Mm-hmm. Right. As a matter of fact, when they called me, I gave them Rico Chappelle's number, mm-hmm. Michael Knight's number, because I knew that these were people who produced clothes all the time, and mm-hmm. I just kind of did custom. But they came back to me and was like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. We want you. Mm-hmm. And, and even when they asked me to do it, I literally... Thought of some price that they would just be like, "There's no way." Tell the story because I remember you told me this person. Yeah, like they they called me and they were like, "How much would it take to do to do like eight dresses?" And I think at that time it was like eight dresses for like fifteen thousand right. dollars, something like that. But to that point. Mm-hmm. 
those people, it, it's more than just, oh, I made some dresses. Like, right. you have to meet with the 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 women. You have to study their body types. You have to, body types. You have to learn what camera and lighting and what strobes uh-huh. on camera and uh-huh. all of those different things. So, I had a very fast um, initiation, if you will, into mm-hmm. film and television. But I caught on very but you quickly. you basically told them $15,000 for eight dresses. I can't even remember. Were. But, right. like, yeah, I told, I told them a price that... I, did, I, I told them a price that I thought was fair for what I knew I could deliver. Mm-hmm. But at that point, nobody had really respected when you give them a quote. Right. At that time, I, I was fresh off Project Runway, and I was still at the time in my career where people would try you and be like, what can I get for $500? Right. And then you show them a chair. And see, part of a part of owning your talent and knowing your talent is knowing how to charge people, how much to, to bill people for mm-hmm. your service or for your talent. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, when you're new... You don't really know how to charge people. Oh, I've always known how to charge oh. people. For, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I think my first gown in, the first gown I ever made, couture gown I ever made in college was 1500 mm-hmm. And Because I had told my girlfriend, I was like, oh, uh-uh-uh-uh. Because I worked for MAC Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. I worked for this bridal salon with a woman where you would order a size 12 dress. Mm-hmm. And she'll have an 8 in the store. And you could fit the 8, but the 12 would be better if they altered it down to your body type. Miss mm-hmm. Thing would just take the 12 tag and sew it inside your size 8. Yeah, so I worked in a lot of different... Really? <laughs> yeah, I worked in a lot of different situations that made me quite uncomfortable. And that's when I told, I told my girlfriend I was going to start making dresses, right. you know, out of my house and selling them. And she was like, child, ain't nobody going to pay you three... Because I, I, in my mind, I was going to make like charge 300 to $600, but no... Fresh out the gate. So who was your first celebrity client? One of the girls from Single Ladies? Who was my first celebrity client? I guess so, yes. Yeah, single Ladies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stacey Dash. Stacey. And I remember when I made the dress for her, mm-hmm. I remember getting the most beautiful email from the director, Tamara. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, I, I just thought that was, I had no clue how big a deal that was that a director took time, like took time to research who I was. And, and said, to send an email. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was quite powerful. So you had mentioned a moment ago, uh, Michael Knight. How well did you know him? Because we recently lost him. Um, and he was one of the veterans, if you will, from Project Runway. And I remember being a fan of his work and being a fan of his when he was on that first. Uh, I'm sure I'm not sure what season of Project Runway he was on, but I remember going to different watch parties when he mm-hmm. was on the show as well. So were you guys pretty close? No, we were not close at all, actually. Um as a matter of fact, I think that Michael Knight did not like me uh, for a while. Uh-huh. Um, but I get it. Why do you think that? Well, listen, it's no different. No, it's no different. When you grow up African-American in the United States of America, mm-hmm. there's a certain, like, you can just get a certain itch and a certain feeling about certain things because you've been in enough of those circumstances mm-hmm. to know when your spinal senses start telling you what's going on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as it relates to Michael Knight, just in the grand scheme of the culture, mm-hmm. he was never going to like someone like me. Because? I don't know. You have to resurrect him and ask him that question. You know what? I cannot okay. speak we, for him. We, I cannot, we, I cannot speak ahead. for him. We're going to go ahead and move on. I, okay, listen. But here's the thing. I wanted to be very, I want to be very clear and let you know that I truly always was inspired by uh-huh. Michael Knight. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I think the greatest lesson I've learned in my journey is that you have to separate people from their talent Mm -hmm. and in being able to do so I will always cherish his legacy but no we were not close um and 
And I do think we lost a great African-American. We lost a great American designer. Right. Okay. Well, we can keep it there. So take me to Project Runway. How? What's the process like to get on the show? Oh, The first God. time. Not this time, because I know for All-Stars, they reached out to you. Correct. But the very first time, did you go online? Did you see a casting call? How, what was that like? No. As a matter of fact, I worked at Neiman Marcus. I was fresh uh-huh. out of the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I just told her, like, Keisha Knight Pulliam. What's your first? And Ari, I can't figure out if I did Nicole Ari Parker first or Keisha Knight Pulliam, but okay. those are the first two celebrities that I ever put. Okay. Um, sorry. No problem. I always want to get those facts Absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, uh, what was your last question, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to stay focused. We, I am focused. I think I have some ginkgo biloba pills for memory. Did you, did you need me to get you one? No, I just okay. want you to repeat. I asked you for what I needed. I needed you to repeat <laughs> your last question, sir. Okay, so your, your communication skills are pretty good. You, well, I tried. You asked me for what you I needed. I did. I will always tell you what I want. I appreciate that. No problem. My question was, how did you get to Project Runway? Did you do a casting call? Okay. Um, some people at Neiman's who knew I graduated in apparel and textile design, mm-hmm. they sent me an application. As a matter of fact, her name was Dion Boyd and Courtney Hammonds. Mm-hmm. We all worked at Neiman's at that time. Um, they're active people in the city. Okay. Um, and they sent me the application. And I remember looking at the application, and it was like I needed to overnight it. And I think mm-hmm. at that time it was like $56. To do the application. Oh, to overnight To it. overnight it. And I remember calling the people saying, listen, if you didn't get my videotape and my application, could you let me know? Because I can hit the FedEx and go get my money back. Right. Like, wasn't concerned about if I made the show. Right, right. But times were so hard at that time. My yeah. mom was living with me. Yeah. She had just had heart surgery. So it was like, listen, every dollar counts. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So um, then I got a call back. And I remember going to the audition. Um, and at that audition, I, the one thing I remember at that time was Edmund Newton. And he used to be a barber in a barbershop that I used to go to. Really? He stopped me at the at the show the other night. Oh, he remembers Yeah, he you. said, hey, how you doing? Right. He actually did a He's not of- here. So listen. He, uh, <laughs> oh, so you, uh, oh, okay. He's not. Here. I'll bring him in on the time. Yeah, you can okay. book him too. We're all bookable. Um, <laughs> well, you the one brought him up. Okay, go ahead. But Evan Newton was there, and uh-huh. you know he tried out thirteen times oh, really? for Project Runway, and that's what makes it so significant is the fact that I remember him specifically right. when I tried out. But I remember going in. And the people laughing at me. So where was the audition in New York? And at, no, it was here in it Atlanta, here in Georgia. Atlanta. Okay. And I remember going to the preliminary thing, and I could tell that they like they liked some. Like they were saying things to me that were going over my head. They were like. Uh, Oh, this looks reminiscent of Oscar De La Renta. And I'm like, honey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I come from Love and Village Projects. You'll never insult me. Like, you know, but I realize now that they say all of those different things because there's nothing new under the sun when right. it comes to fashion. Right. Um, honey, we'll be saying who looks like who or what. We'll be here to eternity having right. that discussion right. and that debate. Right. However, um, I didn't think that I made the show. So did you have to take articles that you had? Yes, you denied? needed to take. I'm sorry. You needed to take articles of clothing as well as some photographs of your work Um, and it was a great interview and I remember leaving out of the room telling them well look I know y'all here today so make sure you get some chicken before you leave Mm -hmm. you know Um, and and it was just like what I would have said to them if they were leaving my house in my living room right so how long after that did they contact you so listen so that night I was all like oh my god I'm so proud of myself I can't believe I got like this far in the competition Mm -hmm. no the next day I went to work Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I didn't get a call back because they told you if you got a call back, if we call you back, then you come in, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that day at work, I was like, well, I didn't get a call back. But that night, I was calling my friends. I was like, we're going to go to Mix or Bulldogs. It was one of them. Mm-hmm. We're going to go out and celebrate the fact that I made it this far. And then something told me to check my phone. And then I checked my phone. And it was like, Anthony, we need you to come back in tomorrow at blah, 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 blah. And then I was on the Neiman Marcus in um, dress collection. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call. And it was like, we're choosing you for season seven of Project Runway. And I remember screaming and jumping up and down. So then you have to move to New York because the show is shot in New York. Yes, you move there temporarily and you stay. So do they give you a stipend? Like, What happens with your job? That's all I always want to know. You don't have, like, you can take a leave of absence. I had to tell the head of HR, um, and and they were more than with, I don't think they could hold my position, mm-hmm. but they told me it wouldn't be any problem when I came back, which is always good to have a good work ethic. Okay. It will sustain you. So do, does the show pay you like a stipend or something? No. For, so you just basically go? Yeah, you go when you go for this opportunity. And the truth of the matter is sometimes like... Well, they put you up, so you don't put pay you up rent. where? Don't you stay in that... Just because they put you up in a house they created don't mean they put down your bills back home. Like, it's still... Oh, right, you still have to sustain that life. Right, you have to sustain your home at, back home. But I'm saying, when you, go, when you go to New York and you're filming, they put you in that place for free. You don't pay rent there. No, you don't pay rent there. They, do they feed you? They Ye- cover your meals and things? Yes, but that's always the the... the the place of contention, if you will, at Project Runway, the food situation. Because black people eat, have a very different diet than white people. No, because it is a union show. So the when the stat when the crew eats, that's when you guys get to eat. That's when. But the difference is, even though you're the person on camera uh-huh. doing the work, the crew eats before you do. Really? Yeah. Because that's the union. It's a very. Um, but it seems like there would be money built into the show budget. To, to pay you a stipend, even if it's... But why would you do it? Why would you offer money when so many people are willing to throw themselves on the knife for free? I guess so. I mean, but I mean, I, I'm mean, i a fan of the show. I've been watching the show since 2003. And um, I remember... Oh, my God. That's when I gave up Miss Black America New... Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. That was a very... I see. You digressed. Um, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Oh. I've watched the show and I've seen people say, oh my God, I had $3 in my bank account. Like, how do those people sustain? I guess they have friends and family or somebody to send send them money or something while they're there. I, my friends definitely had my bag, but at that time, my mom was getting her um, disability check, so that definitely helped out and assisted okay. at that time. But it is a tough time, and it's, that's why I'm always amazed how critical people are sometimes when you're on the show. But I realized this show created a voice for people who otherwise nobody would ever acknowledge their style or their fashion sense. So I realized, like, I am here doing a show for people who probably don't even celebrate what I do. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like a... And that's why I started to look at it as a game show where you make dresses for prizes. Because that's what it is to me. Under no circumstances have I ever gone through any of the experiences I've had on Project Mm -hmm. Runway in real life. And that's why I'm very amazed at... That's just the fragrance up there. Oh, Fragrance of an essence. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing this with you. But um, so you made me forget my thought. It must not was important. Moving forward. Okay. 
Oh, that's why I'm shocked by people who go on Project Runway and they don't research the politics and the business behind mm-hmm. the brand. They're strictly just contestants. And I, th- I think those are the people who have truly missed out on the experience. When you go through that process and if you can only return home as just a contestant mm-hmm. and you got nothing else out of the experience, then those are the people who truly have been shortchanged. So do you know of any instances where there was a contestant that was so financially in dire straits that they had to leave? Um, I've never known situations like that, but I definitely, there were times when I didn't, I remember when I first came off a of Project Runway and everybody turned on their phone, because at that time, now they just let you go home because they don't even care if you release that you're on the show. Like, they don't, it has no, they have a lot of, carry a lot of weight now. Right. Um, but at that time, you not only could not have your phone, but like, they didn't give you your phone to the last day. And I remember when everybody was turned on their phone. Um, Because you're sequestered Mm -hmm. from the time you're eliminated to the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember everybody having their phones, and I turned on my phone, and it went straight to that lady who talks for Sprint. The bill hadn't been paid. The bill hadn't been paid, and it was like, wow, you know. And that's even after all of that that you've had experienced, now you're released back to the world with absolutely no infrastructure. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. People, and that's why I say I will always celebrate and honor Michael Knight, because he was the first. And we have to give him grace as the first, because he took a lot of hits. The first what? He was the first to go. He was one of the first black Men, you know, from the South to go on the show, Craig, I, do you need something? No, I thought you were going to put uh-uh. another adjective. No, I wasn't going to put any more adjectives oh, okay. in there. Um, but he, because he was the first, there were no rules to guide him through his process. But through mm-hmm. what he went through and experienced, I was able to look at that and say, okay, these are things that I can take from what he has done. No mm-hmm. different than I'm sure people are looking at my experience and I'm thinking more people, and then I know people are critical of my journey, but the truth is, a lot of times you're in a place you've never been before Mm -hmm. and you navigate those waters as best you can and I remember being a fan of the show I think Kira's son was on the first Mm -hmm. black woman Mm -hmm. black girl from, I think she was from like California or somewhere. But I remember, like, but you never hear anything about her from, I mean, I think she's probably still working and doing her thing, but she was so amazing at what she did. It's like Project Runway, for it to have all of the, the seasons that it's had, it's only produced a few of you that really carry a name, that continue a name, and you're like, oh, okay, that one is still doing this, or this one is doing that. Because it's a TV show. The people, when she says it's the opportunity of a lifetime, that is a statement. That is not true. It is one opportunity that has presented itself in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that is a slap in the face. I think Mm -hmm. that being in the public eye does not equate to being successful Correct. financially. Because mm-hmm. um, I had someone, I thought he, I was, he was going to, I was going to mentor him and offer him advice. First thing this guy said to me was like, um, why it seem like nobody else from Project Runway, all Project Runway is successful outside of Mondo and, um, Siriano. Christian Siriano. But, and, uh, what's the one that designed Michael Costello? That's what I said. Michael Costello and Christian Siriano. That is not what the fuck he said. Mondo and um, Siriano. Christian Siriano. Mondo and um, Siriano. Christian Siriano. Mondo and um, Siriano. Christian Siriano. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Are Go you ahead. not present? I am present. Because you can't be both absent and present. Craig. Go ahead. I'm anyway, um, I see your eyes. You know, you got that. I'm going to leave all of this in here, too. I'm not good. Gonna this I don't want you to cut it out. I want people because to know how much of a shit show this was. I want people to know <laughs> that he's not paying attention to his guests. I am paying attention. Okay, <laughs> like, what was I telling you? You said that you thought you were going to mentor. <laughs> oh, I did. And the first thing he get on the phone is hit my ass in the middle of the head with a soccer ball. He was like, Anthony, 
why does it not seem like anybody else is successful? And I'm like, well, first of all, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. The reason why Christian Siriano is successful is because the Project Runway brand put money behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, he got a real push. And that's the thing. Clearly, if you could do it with just $100,000, Michael Costello did not win. Michael Costello, he, he was in the right place at the right time. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Mondo was the pony they were betting on. Right. Right. But Michael Costello is the one who pulled it out. Right. And the truth of the matter is he was able to align himself with the right celebrities, mm-hmm. get enough of his dresses on the red carpet, mm-hmm. and now he's a household name. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the thing about Instagram. It makes shows like Project Runway not as relevant. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why we needed Project Runway is because it provided a platform that at that time, you know, the Anna Wintours and all of those girls, they weren't aligning themselves. Now they'll put mm-hmm. them, th- Anna Wintour, jump on anything hot to keep herself relevant. Relevant uh-huh, now. Uh-huh. You remember when she was bashing Instagram fashions uh, yeah, at one point. Yeah, yeah. Funny how times change. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, do they hold you to the time constraints that we see on the television show? So like when they say, okay, you guys have two hours to sketch and to design. Do you literally have two hours or is that just something that they say for the television? Do, are there instances where they'll sometimes behind the scenes say, okay, guys, most of you haven't really created much in the two hours that we gave you, so we're going to give you another two hours or whatever. Um, that is a bit of a reach. Uh, everything that you see in the time that they say they are allotting for the challenge, mm-hmm. all of that is true. If anything, we are cheated mm-hmm. um, through the experience because they say to you guys it's a two-day challenge. One of those days is just three hours. Mm. So when you see the next day, you're judging. That's why there's a, there's a profound, uh, I'm going to hit you with another southern uh a southern a charm cliche, cliche. Mm-hmm. you'll see in the theater determines what show you see so you'll judge the show and say oh that's all she made and she had two days no she had one day an additional three hours right. you know what I'm saying uh-huh. that's the sometimes the where the fairness and right. the integrity of the show becomes of question Local, is yeah. because we're held to a standard that's really not fair because it's an unmanaged expectation because we're not a lot of the time that they're quoting before the public people mm-hmm. so when you move to New York and you stay you know you you're a part of the show and they pair you with someone to share a room with what happens if you don't get along with that person or what happens if the person snores because I'm a light sleeper okay uh, you endure like that's the whole that don't switch your room I mean I mean there was one incident where I saw them like full okay when I was on Project Runway All Stars season season one mm-hmm. I remember Mondo Costello and my and uh Ma, not Mondo Costello, Michael Costello and Mondo I were think on that's the side. Here you say Michael. Oh, Costello okay. Early. Oh, okay. Mm. But the Costello was still in. No, actually, beloved, it wasn't. Production, run that back, please. Mondo and um, Christian Siriano. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna dwell. Go ahead. We're moving forward. Cause we're not gonna argue. No, we're not. Okay. No, in in front of all these people. Right. All. Because they're listening around the world. I, I believe they are. So they're gonna know you a mess around the world. No, I think they're gonna be like, you know what? Look at little Miss Sunshine <laughs> with a beard. Uh, <laughs> but I remember this. Now, listen. I'm not throwing nobody under the bus. No, go I'm ahead. just telling this you. Is so much to say. Th- listen. This is what. This is true facts. What okay. happened? We came into the room. Mm-hmm. In the there is a room in the back. There are multiple rooms with bed beds in them, okay. but there's one room that is closed off that has bunk beds. But the producers are in there watching as we enter into the suite and play that scene out. Right. They say to us, all of us, if you do not select one of the rooms on camera, 
you will naturally have to take one of the rooms that are bunk beds in the back. Uh-huh. Well, Michael Mundo and Michael Costello, but more Mundo, was like, no, ma'am. I'm not sleeping on that bunk bed. So then they got her her own suite. So Michael Costello and Mundo got their own suite. Now, these are all facts, so it's not like I'm spilling any tea, but what they didn't realize, mm-hmm. and this is what I wish Rob and the Lifetime family and Project Runway understand, when you do things like that in front of your contestants, it sets a tone. Mm-hmm. A for the, it sets a precedence for the rest of the competition. So I definitely did not, from that point on, mm-hmm. it just got... It just snowballed into so many different things, but they really set the tone for the com- for the competition. And um, I remember that season on Twitter. People, a lot of people noticed it and was like, "Something's off about this season." Right. But that was that was and that when you run a competition like that, it needs to be fair on all fronts. Mm-hmm. That was about the by far probably the most inappropriate thing they could have done in front of the rest of us. Right. So when you um, do, you have a relationship with. Maybe not necessarily Heidi, but Nina Garcia. Or no, Zach. we are just no. It's not like that at all. Okay. Um, they don't talk to you. So what about now that <laughs> you've won? Like, is there a way that you can email an assistant and say, "Hey, guys, I, I would like to do this." Why would I want to talk to them? Well, I mean, we were all brought in to do a specific job. Her job was to be a host. She went from walking to talking. My job is to put forth a craft and hope that she likes it and I can move on further through the competition. But outside of that. What would I talk to her about? Well, as the winner, don't, aren't you, like, now entitled to, like, a spread and... And Marie Claire? Yeah. Yes, but that has nothing to do with partnering with them. Like, what I want you to understand is, like, when you are introduced, put it this way. If you come into so, to a person's home mm-hmm. and they introduce their maid to you, mm-hmm. you speak to the maid and you greet the maid. But after that, do you have further conversations with the maid? Probably not. They don't hold further conversations. We're at Project Runway, we're like the help. Like when they, when in between the scenes, when we're on the runway, when they, when they yell, when they take breaks, they have a team of people who come in and they make sure their hair and makeup on their guest judges and their judges and the host. Mm-hmm. But you're standing there under those lights, sweating like somebody took some greasy chicken and rubbed it all over your face. And I'm about to offer you as a paper towel, let alone a cup of water. So, like, that's what I mean. Like, so I, really? I want you to have a managed expectation that right. they only talk to us when those cameras are rolling. Yes, it's a job. That is so fascinating to me. So, like, there's never been an instance where perhaps, like, what's my boy that used to be on there? He used to read for filth. Tim Gunn. No, he used uh-huh. to always tell the people. He was the designer. Anthony? Older guy. Just... <laughs> Older white guy. He used to read for filth, and he used to always tell the people, oh, you look so dowdy. Mark Jacobs. Is it Mark Jacobs? Oh, is it? Oh, um, um, Mike, uh, Michael uh, Kors. Michael Kors. Michael Kors. Mm-hmm. What? So, like, they never, like, take a liking to any of the designers and say, hey, I would love for you to apprentice with me or... You I mean, to. that, I don't know. You have to partner with someone who had that experience with them. I okay. didn't have that experience with them at all. And from my understanding, like... I, Work that see that's the great thing about film and television. It gave me a great insight to like this is a job, this mm-hmm. is work. Mm-hmm. When these people leave here, they go into their everyday lives. Like that's kind of hints to my idea of pageantry. You only have to be good one night. Right. So what about Tim Gunn? Is he genuine off camera? I think he's genuine and he's nice, but like. You know, I don't know if the advice that he offers to fashion is relevant. So, for example, 
on this last season of All Stars, they said to Char, don't put words on clothing. But mm-hmm. everybody puts words on clothing now, right. so that's why it's kind of like, I don't know. You have to take what they say with the grain. Right, because they live in a world, he's not going to wear words with clothing, but at the end of the day, he also doesn't discern the fact that everybody he talks to don't need a 12-syllable word right. for you to express yourself. Right. So... What do you do now that you've won Project Runway? Why, what are your next steps? Well, first of all, I thank God for my freedom. I'm excited okay. that this is behind me. It was a lot of work right. behind the scenes. Um, just trying to get promotion and press for the show because we we just didn't get a lot of it because of the brand's attachment to Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Um, it was difficult, so I found myself personally trying to garner press for us being the Fantastic Five, right. trying to get celebration for what we've been able to contribute to the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'm happy. I think I'm stronger mm-hmm. coming out on the other side of this experience. I'm quite grateful. I will always remain humble and grateful to the Project Runway experience, but I'm ready to move forward. The truth of the matter is I've always seen this competition as a game show where you make dresses for prizes. Mm-hmm. So now that I've won that prize, I will you I will continue to use that as leverage to do other things that I want mm-hmm. to do, but it is not my immediate attempt at all right. to create a line of clothing. Um I realized that evening wear and couture, that's my art. Mm-hmm. Um, but my personality, that is my gift. And according to his word, that's what's going to make room for me. So I'm going to actively consider, continue to pursue film and television projects. So if you had your wish, your one wish, what would you be doing right now? I'll be an amazing host on the Home Shopping Network. Really? Yes. It's where everything I am. I've worked in um, luxury to just everyday price points, approachable mm-hmm. price points. I'm Selling everything te- or specifically women's garments? No. Well, at Neiman's, you had to sell all around the store if you wanted to make your numbers. Mm-hmm. So I understand, like, I understand the customer. I understand how to, when you go to Neiman Marcus, they hand you a pen and say, sell me that ink pen and you must be able to do it um so i feel like between my personality my amazing interpersonal skills to engage with other people and my ability to sell and stay on brand um i think that's a great home for me have you been afforded any opportunities since you've won project runway all-stars that you didn't see coming um yes definitely before i even came downstairs to the lobby for the watch party the mm-hmm. night of the finale mm-hmm. i got a phone call and the i got i received a follow follow-up phone call today um so i'm excited is it something you can share or no? it is not something i can share as a matter of fact i was show, i was showing these files today and i was told this is strictly confidential but it is a confirmed uh, is it someone that we know it's a confirmed seat on oh it, everybody yes it's Every, a confirmed seat on what it's a confirmed seat on the bus see in feminine television oh. you know they I don't know how I'm sure you've had opportunities where it seemed like that door was going to open mm-hmm. then it doesn't open mm-hmm. so film and television in my mind it doesn't happen until it happens until it happens right mm-hmm. so this is a film or television project yes and it's someone who sees my light and then other production companies have already started reaching out so are you going to be like creating wardrobe for a movie or film or television or I am it? going to be doing exactly what I want to do now and it will not be picking up no heavy ass 10 pound ball gown throwing it over my bag uh-huh. and hoping the zipper go all the way up right. I can promise you that so how long does it take for you to get your project runway money I don't know you know I am so they're going to do a direct deposit I don't know do because check. the Weinsteins here's the thing the Weinsteins own the show so and they have filed bankruptcy I don't know listen I, you better watch the news so life, who, it's on Lifetime right it's on Lifetime so but like Lifetime A&E doesn't, 
so they don't they won't indemnify and make sure that you get the money if they don't? I don't know what I'm not, what I'm not I'm in 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 everything that I do I have done with Project Runway I always expect their best because mm-hmm. I gave them my, my best. best. Yeah. However, uh, there's a lot of red tape surrounding the brand. Um, but don't worry, I'm wrapping rhinestone bricks at my house now. <laughs> <laughs> So in case we have some problems. I know that's fine. <laughs> so what do you plan to do in the event that money comes through? Um, are you thinking about paying bills that you Oh have? wait, I'm so used to your line of course. I thought you was asking me if it didn't come through. What what did you say? What would, what are you planning to do with the money in I the event? I thought I just answered that question. No, you didn't tell me what you were gonna do with the money. You got bills to pay off, like what I definitely I'm no different than anyone else. I have bills to pay off, but like I said, I wanna plant seeds in a lot of projects that I've been wanting to do, but I have not been able to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that I can see that money just go a little bit further. I can I can flip that money and make it grow by doing the plan I have in place. What's a project that you want to get off the ground. I definitely want to create my own content. Even for television. If, yes, for film and television. Do you think all this time I've been groomed by executive producers who are Emmy and Oscar winning people? For nothing. For nothing? No, I don't right. want to be a costume designer. That was just my school of tutelage for my oh. craft. So you want to do like scripted television projects or is it more reality type shows? No, I both? want both. I, well, I really am interested in doing documentaries as well as scripted television. Well, then we need to talk. I have scripts already written. No, no, no. I think you're missing. I want to produce my content. Uh, so you couldn't be a producer on mine? You could be a, still be an executive producer. I get that, Craig. <laughs> but what I want... As I said earlier, it takes a sad dog not to wag his own tail. That's what uh-huh. I'm saying. So you already have projects that you've written? Yes, yes, yes. Pitch okay. decks and everything. Right. Like um, last year, I had my first uh, real pitch meeting with CAA president in the room with a major lifetime mm-hmm. network, but it did not work out. But the truth of the matter is, I learned from that experience. Mm-hmm. Like once you get a seat at the table, right. don't worry about if it de- if it goes through or not. Right. Get the lesson and the education right. and the and acumen from that table. process. Yes. Right. Okay. Was there anything else that you want us to know about Anthony Williams and what's to come? Well, no, I just want to say, first of all, I am very grateful because I know that it could have been the other way. You could have chosen anyone else but me. Um, So I am very grateful for that. I do not take these opportunities for granted at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to say thank you. You are very welcome. I don't know. And thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. I've been a fan of yours since the beginning. We used to go to boot camp together in the park. And you came and supported um, the very first signing that I did for my first book. So I had to be at the watch party. Oh, you did? Yeah. So had I not come to your events, you wouldn't have shown up for Probably mine. wouldn't. No, Ooh, I'm just kidding. Ca- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But oh. no, I had to be there because, like I said, I've been a fan of the show since, since the beginning. Something I do want to say, actually. Mm-hmm. I think we should always use this platform to uplift and educate. It is important that the city of Atlanta start celebrating their creatives. I agree. Um, something that I know has happened to me, which is why I don't typically work in the area of like celebrities and individuals, like styling them individually, mm-hmm. is because what happens is when the girls don't have money mm-hmm. and you are wrestling with these body types that they have created... <laughs> And you work to make them look their absolute best, mm-hmm. and they look amazing. Mm-hmm. And then when they get the opportunity to work with who they think would treat, do them better, right? They forget putting them. you in labels does not 
address your body type mm-hmm. and give you the best formula for your body. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we're the people that's with you and giving you exactly what you need while you're on the ground, sometimes you need to take those people with you. Now, if they do things that you right. feel is going to be a hindrance to your career, then that needs to be a conversation had. But one thing I have found out is a lot of them reroute themselves back to you. So I just feel like the city of Atlanta, we need to do a better job of taking care of our creatives because the truth of the matter is the city of Atlanta from the Housewives brand mm-hmm. to Merit to Medicine, I know the creators of the city of Atlanta have held those women down when it comes to that. And I'm, that doesn't mean that they didn't pay right. or any of that, it but that means, means that before anybody else gave you anything, we showed up first. Right. And I just think we have to honor that and celebrate that so that when we go other places, we can continue to remember the city of Atlanta and how we need to always give back to it accordingly. I think that's a perfect place to end. So listen, if this is your first time listening to So Much To Say, be sure to share this episode and uh, other episodes as well uh, with your friends, your family, your social media. On June 2nd, Saturday, June 2nd, I am hosting the very first live So Much To Say podcast. It's going to be in Atlanta. The details are available on my website, www.craigtherighterstewart.com. And if you're interested in supporting my books, they're also available at www.craigtherighterstewart.com. They're available on audible.com, all e-readers. Be safe. Keep loving yourself.